If you have listened to any of our shows in the past, you have probably noticed that I have not been here. It's been over a few weeks since our last show, and what you're about to hear is news from the past few weeks. There's a lot to talk about, so try to keep up with us. This is the Big Frank Show. Let's get started. Welcome to the Big Frank Show. Oh, man, that's irritating. I hear you. Oh, good for you. I'm not an idiot. I, well, I know some people might think that, but like... Life is sweet. But sometimes old people just don't get it. Give a real shooter a target and he'll never stop aiming for it. History is dependent on the new generation to write the next chapter. And that time is now. Mellow dip in the lamb dipping, got his own shoe cause it's only fitting. Big baller brand, yeah we do it different, this was all part of Big Baller's vision. He the youngest to do it, I'm rapping, he hooping, I'm passing, he shooting the game, we polluting, we rapping the movement, we not with illusion, we ready for war. We so we're gonna open up the show with uh, Lamella Ball, and he just got a new shoe, and he's not even in college yet. Um, so, is it against the rules, really, if Lamella Ball gets a shoe in high school, and he's not really in college yet? Because if he's in college and gets a shoe, then it's probably against the rules, because they're receiving a gift. But he's only in high school, and it's before college. So we're here with uh, our basketball analyst, Jacob, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about that. All right, so LaMelo Ball got a signature shoe at age 16, which makes him the youngest player ever to have a signature shoe. Um, The NCAA is still unclear about his NCAA eligibility so far. Uh, Well, I think he should be allowed in because he's not in college yet, and he's just a little kid receiving a gift, right? And uh, when he gets into college, he'll have a shoe, but it doesn't really matter because he's not receiving the gift while he's in college. Doesn't that make sense to you, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So for once, I actually agree with LeVar Ball because he says it doesn't matter. Like, why would anyone matter? Why would anyone care about this? Well, because the NCAA is uh, picky today. They want what they want and... Stay in your lane. Okay, so while we're in the basketball topic, we're going to jump right into uh, Kyrie Irving. I know this is from a while ago, but you've seen us. I mean, I mean, actually, you haven't, because we haven't been here for the past few weeks. And we've missed a lot in the sports world. But one of the bigger things is the Kyrie Irving trade. Uh, Jacob is still here, and he's going to tell us what they got in return. And I think that the Celtics really didn't do this trade right, because I think that Cleveland definitely won this. I mean, they're in shape for the next how many years because they'll have that Nets pick. But I think that the Celtics gave up way too much for Kyrie Irving. Jacob? All right, so the Celtics gave up Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, the 2018 Nets pick, a bench warmer, and the 2020 second-round pick, all for Kyrie Irving. It's definitely a lopsided trade, but I think the Cavs won it. Yeah, and you never know who that pick could be. It could be um, Michael Porter Jr. It could be, uh, what's his, uh, Marvin Bagley. I mean, this upcoming draft is going to be a true super draft, and I think that the Cavs really won this trade. Speaking of that Kyrie trade, um, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Cleveland had to think over this trade because apparently Isaiah Thomas has an injury. Jacob, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the trade nearly fell through due to Isaiah Thomas's reoccurring hip injury. Rumors have it he could be out until the All-Star break, and chances are he'll miss the beginning of the season, which is not going to help the Cavs. 
And not at all. Now, I think that kind of ruins the trade. And uh, what did uh, the Celtics throw in for <laughs> to get Kyrie Irving? Uh, they threw in a 2020 second-round pick, which uh, does pretty much nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's pointless. Now, unless if you're going to get, like, the 60th pick and pick an Isaiah Thomas, which, that's a one-time thing. That's never going to happen again. I mean, why are you throwing a 2020 pick? The Cavs could have gotten something else. Anything else besides a 2020 pick. Because what's that going to do for them in the future? Nothing. That's silly. That's just silly. We've already changed the game. We made the story real and the journey epic. I bring you the president of hoops. Oh, the president of hoops. Good to meet you. We let you start your own legend and test yourself against the world. NBA 2K has already transformed sports gaming, but now we're doing it on a whole new level. Because this year, you don't just play the game, you live it. Welcome to the neighborhood. I'm going to keep this very short and precise. I'm sitting next to a huge 2K18 fan, and he's just going to blab on about it for the next how many minutes? Jacob? Alright, so the NBA 2K18 official trailer came out the other day, and it looks amazing. The players look incredibly real. Also, they did a live stream uh, showing the neighborhood, park, and my career modes. The neighborhood is a new version that's where you walk around with other created players on other consoles. You could work out, you could play three-on-three, there's a dunk contest, there's an Allen Iverson statue... Um, my park, same thing. You just go there and compete with other players. And the usual my career mode where you're playing just your player against other teams like the Sixers, the Lakers, and their 2K players. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, 2K teams looking pretty darn good. And uh, when, are, when is this game going to come out now? The prelude drops on September 18th. That's when you can create your player and start playing around with them. And then the actual game is going to come out on September 18th. Unless you pre-order it, then it will be on September 15th. And up, up, and away. A home run for Giancarlo, number 40. Now, number 40 is always a big number. I don't think he's done. (laughs) This is just another plateau. So while you were away on vacation, uh, you got to take in a, a baseball game. Let's talk about that. Um, so we were at the Miami Marlins Park, and uh, we saw Stanton hit his 40th home run. I mean, not that it matters much, because now he's at, what, 51 home runs? Yeah, I think it was his 40. <laughs> he's hit about 11 since we've been there. And it's only been a few weeks, don't forget. I mean, this guy could possibly hit 60. I mean, he's still got another month to do it. In August, if he has another month like August, then he's, he might get over 60. I, I think that he's just flowing with it. I mean, he's a really great hitter right now. It's funny. I, I read that uh, he considers the home run record to be 61, Roger Maris. And uh, a lot of people, including myself, probably agree with him because the records were broken by steroid steroids, users. exactly. Like Barry Bonds, for example. And... Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. All those guys were up there. And it was a good time uh, while it lasted. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when it came out, you knew it at the time. But in any way, a baseball purist is going to look at the record being 61. So he might get it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think 
Stanton is definitely one of the better power hitters, right, of all time. Yeah, and I'm I definitely rooting for him. He's a really, really good guy in the community down there. What are your thoughts on the, the stadium since it was your first time there? I love it. I mean, it's not great around it. I mean, I, it looks beautiful, by the way. And the inside is the same thing. you got the windows out in the left, the statue, whatever the heck that is, out in the left, too. Yeah. <laughs> and and the day we were down there uh, at the stadium, uh, new ownership was announced. And Derek Jeter is the owner of the Miami Marlins. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty interesting. It was the first game that he was the owner, and we were there. It's pretty impressive. And to tie into the Phillies, of course, if you recall episode one or two, we talked about rumors of going to get uh, Stanton. And then as you're there watching him, have, has your opinion changed? It's definitely changed. I mean, <laughs> I I didn't think he was worth all that money. I don't think anyone's worth that much money. Like how many money? How much money for ten years, and yeah. with an option? Um, but I think I take him now because look at what he's doing out there in Miami. Fantastic job. So, uh, including vacation and back to school, it's been a few weeks since uh, your last episode, of course. Um, there's a guy that came up on the Phillies that started hitting home runs as well. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so we're talking about Giancarlo Stanton, and uh, we're talking about, you know, a good source of power. But then there's Reese Hoskins on the Phillies, and he hits, he sets the record for, like, home runs in how many games? Like, was it 7, 16, I yeah. believe, 10? Yeah, he set the record for most home runs uh, in, uh, like, 10 games or something like that. Yeah. I mean, the guy's amazing. I mean, uh, I think bats. it was, six, it was yeah, at bats. At, at Fastest bats, to yes. ten home runs at the at bats that he had, and in the next like uh, third, next ten games or so, if he hits one home run, he'll be the fastest in major league history to to get to twelve. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> Who keeps these records? I anyway? mean, I'm scared. The guy hasn't hit a home run in the past two games. <laughs> 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 And I believe if he played from the beginning of the season, he'd be right up there with Stanton, maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but or, if he stayed on the hot streak, but... Or maybe he got what he needed out of AAA in, in seeing breaking balls and stuff like that, and he brought that. I, I think it's it doesn't yeah. matter. They were going to lose anyway, so he got more seasoning than maybe he needed, but it's working for him. I mean, yeah, If you not only his power, but if you look at him at the plate, I mean, his, his batting eye, I mean, he sees every pitch. He knows what to swing at, and he knows not what to swing at. I mean, if this guy lives up to Ryan Howard, I mean, I'm fine with that. (laughs) But if he can be better, that'd be even better. I mean, Reese Hoskins is really something to look forward to in the future. Definitely. Wait a minute. Here we go. Oh, here we go at home. Romine and Cabrera get into it. Punches thrown. Romine getting into the gut of Cabrera. And now both benches are cleared as Romine and Cabrera at the bottom of a pile. So... With baseball, what'd you think of that uh, Tigers fight melee? <laughs> Three fights, folks. Three in one game. Um, the first fight was the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just really funny to watch. You don't see stuff like that because the instant replay. I mean, a lot of stuff. You don't see coaches getting ejected. I mean, this really, this was really entertaining to it me. Was, was it more entertaining than the the McGregor fight? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Really? <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. That, that was a good fight. I mean, I, I'm su- I'm surprised McGregor lasted that long. Yeah. I mean, it, it was still technically it was still TKO, but still, I don't know. <laughs> so a lot of stuff going on in baseball for the last few weeks: Phillies, Marlins, home runs, fights. 
Um, Aaron Judge in a huge slump, uh, and teams are starting to shape up for the playoffs, so it's going to be a great fall. And speaking of the pennant race, um, Verlander was just traded to the Astros. Like, how much is that going to help them? I think it's going to help them a lot, because they have Kegel already as their number one starter, and adding with Verlander, that's just going to be a great rotation. I think their hitting is already flawless. They've got a good young team that can really bring them to the playoffs. So the Quakertown Football Panthers have had a pretty quick start to the year, 2-0. and How about that? I mean, yeah, it's really great for Quakertown because I didn't think they'd get two wins on the year, and now they're 2-0. and I mean, this is outstanding. They took that 309 trophy back um, after not winning it last year. I mean, down year last year, but they got right back on up on their feet, and hopefully Quakertown can really keep this up. Yeah, big win last night, 16-13 to over Soderton. Let's, let's take them through the game. All right, so in the f- first qu- first quarter, second quarter, so Quakertown had a touchdown and got a two-point conversion, which gave him eight. But Soderton, on the other hand, had six with two field goals. And, but that's just the first half. Now, the fourth quarter was just really fun to watch. Um, Soderton came down, scored with a touchdown. They were up 13-8. to eight. And then with a few minutes left, I'd say four minutes left, Quakertown scored a touchdown, 16-13, to 13, um, and Quakertown wins the game by that score. Yeah, Christian Patrick had a 100-yard rushing game and had a touchdown, and uh, Brad Bryan had a great game. Um, I mean, yeah, Brad Bryan threw for 60%. Um, that's a great percentage for a quarterback. Christian Patrick was my offensive MVP. I mean, if you saw him run the ball last night, you'd, you'd probably agree with me. I mean, 100 yards and one touchdown, you just can't really argue with that. Um but kick returning, Christian Murano, um, he did an outstanding. He set Quakertown up for their touchdowns. Yeah, th- great field yeah, position. definitely. And Murano had, like, 49-yard return, I think, was one of them. And he was just on fire tonight, last and, night. And it, the, the key part of the game at the end there in the fourth quarter with about a minute and a half left, uh, Soderton's driving. It's a fourth and two. And uh, Quakertown line, and everybody just stood him up and uh, turnover on downs, mm-hmm. and that was the game right there. Yeah, and even before that, Quakertown, they got that two-point conversion, which means that Soderton can only tie it with a field goal. They need to get the touchdown to win. That was a really good play call by the Quakertown coach. Yep. Next week is CB West, and uh, hopefully we uh, see a really good season from Quakertown from here on out. Bring it up! Hit anything that moves. we playmakers, man. We the best, nothing less on three. One, two, three. We the best, nothing less. Oh. We have a fantasy football draft tonight, speaking of football, and we have the 10th pick out of 10, and uh, what do you think we should do here? Well, um, I think a lot of people out there uh, over the years, if you get 10 and you get the wraparound pick, that's usually a good thing, uh, but there's it's seemingly at 10, is there really a superstar there? Um... There's really not, unless if you want to take Ezekiel Elliott, but we don't know what his suspension is yet. I mean, right now it's six games, but they're thinking about lowering it to four. So it's kind of a risky pick, but if if he has a great year like he did last year in the games that he actually plays, then your team's in contention, I think. If you're, if you're out there and you still have a fantasy football draft and Ezekiel Elliott's there in the second round, I think it could be worth a risk, but six games, you better make sure you draft well. Uh, with the rest of your team if you're going to take a huge risk like that. Oh, yeah, it's definitely risky. I mean, 
if you don't win in the first how many games, like, it depends on how many games he's suspended, really. Because if he's suspended six, then it kind of, like, you got to think this over, right? Well, six is right now. If he gets reduced to four, then it's a steal to get him in the second round. And sometimes you got to kind of take that risk. Now, sitting at 10 and 11 is the two picks that you get. I think you got to consider it based upon what's there. Now, if it's also like a PPR league, like you have running backs such as Devontae Freeman and DeMarco Murray, maybe he's still there. You never know. Like Devontae could have gone earlier, or DeMarco Murray's probably not going to go that early, but he, I don't think he gets as many receptions as Devontae. So it's kind of a tough pick at number 10. But A lot of people pick wide receivers and wide receiver dominant first mm-hmm. round. Um, and it looks like, you know, maybe uh, what kind of receivers do you think are left at 10? Uh, well, maybe Jordy Nelson, but he's going to go probably late first round if he doesn't go to you. But if you see in the past few years, like, the running back game has kind of evolved into the wide receiver game. Like, how many years ago, Adrian Peterson, when he was, like, in his prime, not suspended or anything, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, it was kind of a running back. Like, the, that's where that's where everyone went. That, that's what... Oh, back in the old <laughs> days of fantasy football where you could walk away from the first and second round with two running backs and you'd be like, I'm set. And now it's all wide receivers. Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., Jordy Nelson, Julio Jones, it's all wide receivers. And, and it's really because the NFL has gone to the passing game because a lot of the rules uh, on defense really give an advantage to wide receivers and quarterbacks. So it's really turned into a passing league. And the running back position has been reduced to almost nothing. Uh, but I think uh, it, that's starting to turn around now. With Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott last year, how dominant he was. Uh, this year you saw some running backs go in the top 15 um, in, in the NFL draft. So I think that's turning around, and I think it's a good thing. Because it's always good when there's balance. So speaking of balance, um, fantasy football drafts, most people probably have already had their fantasy football drafts. Um, this would pretty much this weekend would probably be a whole bunch of them Labor Day weekend. Um, and then after that, it's into the regular season. So, um, what are some strategies that, that, you know, for week one or even after the draft that people should be looking for on the waiver wire? Well, first you got to look at the matchups. I mean, if you got, if you find someone that's playing the Jets or the Browns or the 49ers, then if they're decent or if they're half decent, pick them up. I mean, they're playing a trashy defense, and just pick them up. Oh, did I mention the Saints? I don't think I did. Well, if they're playing the Saints, yeah, pick them up. And it's really important to get a quick start in fantasy football. For example, in the first three games, if you start 2-1 and one or 3-0, and oh, you have a high percentage of making the playoffs. If you start 1-2 and two or maybe even 0-3, oh uh, you, you have like a less than 10%, maybe around a 10 8% chance of making the fantasy playoffs. Mm-hmm. So that waiver wire in the beginning... And, and and like you said, matchups is very important. Yeah, if you go, if you start off like 0-3, 0-4, then you got to make a change. You can't just stick with that same lineup for the rest of the year if you're going to lose and lose and lose. Something to take a look at is strength of schedule against passing and rushing. Uh, for example, Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. have a pretty weak schedule in the first half of their season for passing. Atlanta Falcons, very weak schedule uh, that they have in their first half for passing. So that might help, like, a Julio Jones. That might help uh, Matty Ice. Yeah, look at that uh, offense, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, 
and things like that. I think that's some things you have to look for in the, in the very beginning because if you can get a fast start, that puts you in good position. That's all we have for this week's show. But before we end, I want to talk about the Hurricane Harvey um, and how you can make a donation. Join the NFL and hope those affected by Hurricane Harvey. Text Harvey D90999 to donate $10 to the Red Cross Relief or visit redcross.org slash NFL. And there's a lot of other charities. Um, there's a crowdfunding initiative by um, J.J. Watt that's up to $16 million already, and you can check that out uh, on his Twitter account. Just look up J.J. Watt. Uh, as Alex said, the Red Cross, Salvation Army, MercuryOne.org, they're a local uh, Texas charity. So there's a lot of places, uh, and you just have to give just a little bit to help out our brothers and sisters. Right.